Hello there, this is just a quick heads up that this episode of What to Watch on Netflix is a sex education special. Uh, Naturally, the themes that we cover do contain certain saucy elements, so if you're listening with your children or indeed your parents and you don't want them to, uh, you know, hear a few... Maybe you want to put the headphones on. Just a little warning. Thank you. How are you doing? Hello. From deep cuts to future classics. On location and behind the scenes. Somewhere between reasonable and crazy. It was no more complicated than that. Let's skip intro and find out what to watch on Netflix. Coming up. My character Otis forms this sex clinic to help all these teenagers with their hang-ups and their questions. I heard he gives sex advice from a toilet. Yeah, when I had a banana in my mouth, I was thinking... "Mm." My mum's church. <laughs> I'm going to be watching it. Often the plot doesn't go maybe the way that you expect it to. I don't believe we've met. What's your name? Hello, I'm Dottie and welcome to the second episode of What to Watch on Netflix. Or for our American listeners, welcome to our difficult sophomore cut. This is the podcast that rolls its sleeves up and gets elbow deep with all the good stuff coming your way. Have me cheering at my TV. We also speak to the mad professors behind all this streaming amazingness and find out what their favourite shows and films are. Like a scientific experiment that goes very, very right indeed. Now this is our sex episode. <whistles> Calm yourself, my friend. It's time to celebrate sex education. Jamie East is going to investigate how you write a sex scene with sex ed script advisor Alex Fox. But first, let's slip into something more comfortable. How do I even begin to explain Otis Melbourne? One time, he cured my vaginismus. It was awesome. Sex education is quite simply a phenomenon. It's charming, educational and very, very funny. We follow a group of everyday teenagers as they figure out friendship, family, and for crying out loud, I can't say that. Otis Milburn is a love-making mastermind. That's why his helmet's so big. It's full of secrets. Otis Milburn, that guy's an absolute legend. All right, let's go around the table. If you could introduce yourself and let us know who you play in sex education. Hello, I'm Connor Swindells. I play Adam Groff. Hi, I'm Emma Mackey and I play Maeve. Hi, I'm Shuti Gatwa and I play Eric. Hi, I'm Asa Butterfield and I play Otis. Hello, I'm Patricia Allison and I play Ola. Hello, my name's Kida Williams-Sterling and I play Jackson. <laughs> Hello, Kida. That was sweet, like chocolate. Oh, Holy. Yeah, there's a bit of competition. <laughs> now, of course, we're all clued up. We're going to be binge-watching season two. But for anyone who is late to the party, describe series one for us. Mm. <laughs> Um, cake. Who wants it? Who wants it? <laughs> who wants it? Who wants it? Um, <laughs> sex Education is a show about sex and relationships and life, and it uh, follows. It's it's about this group of people in a school, a fictional school, Moordale, um, and uh, and my character Otis is this sort of reluctant sex wizard, who <laughs> along with Maeve. Uh, forms this sex clinic to help all these kids, uh, teenagers, not kids, um, with their hang-ups and their questions and their queries. Uh, and we just explored the kind of the spectrum of sexuality and, uh, and teenage life through that. Wow, that was a good answer. Now, of course, in season one, we saw so much. It was a smorgasbord of teen angst and sexual awkwardness. We had teen pregnancy, we had masturbation, we had Karma Sutra. Where do we go in series two? What are the themes we're going to be exploring this time round? Well, I think... Oh, sorry. Oh, sorry. Oh, I was just going to say, well, I think in season two, we get to really um, unpack the characters and the stories a little bit more. Um, so there's a lot in it, I think. Um, there's definitely a, there's definitely moments of, of girls banding together or storylines that we maybe have thought about before that are brought in and tied really well. Um, it's really breakfast clubby at some point, as Judy said, yeah. Uh, it's just something that I would hear on set quite often. I've <laughs> 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 repeating it. <laughs> Don't actually know what the reference is about at all. Um, <laughs> I just started saying it. No, the girls in our <laughs> the girls in this series are so like strong and, and, and have like an amazing storyline. Um, yeah. Just like you said. We, and we have a, a detention episode, essentially, where the girls, the 
girls of Mordell, some of the girls of Mordell are forced into a room <laughs> together and told to sort of, I guess, to kind of fi find things that unite them. Yeah. And, and it's just a really interesting episode. I just feel like generally this season, everything's just heightened. Mm. We, we explore even more themes. There are more characters. It becomes, I feel like it becomes richer and more grown up as well. Mm. Plus the library is quite similar to the one in Breakfast mm. Club. I think that's why. <laughs> Thanks for that, Keila. Inside knowledge. I'm here to start an open conversation about S-E-X. Didn't you wank off a courgette? <laughs> Guys, this is a first for me, actually, because I've seen all of you have sex, masturbate and or fillet a banana. So I don't think I've ever felt closer to a group of people. Now, before we get into series two, I'd love to take it back to season one, because you guys must have needed some icebreakers when you first met. I mean, it was more than a cheeky Nando's, I'll tell you that. You've been waiting for that one, haven't you? Made it up on the spot. <laughs> yeah, no, it's good. No, it was great. We had a great intimacy coordinator who um, was there throughout the beginning of the process that took us through loads of different animals having various types of sex, which in turn, well, in turn helped us differentiate our personal sex lives to the character sex lives and also gave us a reference point um, from a character's standpoint of view, from what kind of movements that character would make in comparison to the animal. Um, I got told that Jackson was a bit of a bonobo. Um, Great. Rapid, <laughs> quick, efficient. <laughs> How was it coming back for season two then? How has the dynamic changed? Was it a bit like back to school after the holidays? It kind of, it was. I think we were all, I think we were all very excited to be back, right? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Because it, was, it, was, yeah. it is very much a bubble. It's a very much a bubble. And, and I think that we, um, I think even more so this season, I felt like the chemistry that we all have between us translates even more on screen now and, and we kind of see all our little idiosyncrasies and our mannerisms and our inside jokes and accents and whatever we do even more present in season two, which is cool. So it makes it even more personal for us. It's quite nice. And I think not only did we as actors become very close, but the entire kind of family of the crew, the producers, Ben, the director, um, we all got incredibly close in the first season and then to, to see it be such a success and, and then to feel so much pride about the show... Um, meant coming into the second season, we just had even more excitement and even more positivity and even more ideas. Um, and uh, yeah, it was a it was a treat. I think I'm ready. You sure? Playing a character that is years younger than you are must be a bit mental. Uh, I guess this was your second second chance at being a teenager. I still feel like a teenager a lot of the time, so. I can channel a lot of that into Wotus. I think being, we actually film in a school with like, and it feels like a school and you're kind of in a classroom and that automatically kind of, I think brought us all down a bit in terms yeah. of yeah. our maturity yeah. definitely. Yeah. Kind of. yeah. Yeah. I don't think at all about the age thing. It doesn't yeah. even exactly. come to my mind. Yeah. Ever. Exactly. Especially because when you're, when you're, when I was 16 anyway, I always wanted to be much older and I always thought, oh my God, yeah, I feel like I'm older than I am. Yeah. Mm. So I always think that's always so helpful, actually, if you can go back and, and if you're given the surroundings, like the school yeah. is just, it does help you. And also yeah. all the essays are all, all the same, um, pretty much all the time. So you do feel like you're actually in school together. Yeah. <laughs> um, and everyone is just there in, in this actual school mm. <laughs> what were you like as a teenager shooty what was i like as a teenager um i was i was definitely like split between two worlds i was very much like a quiet church bible studies boy at home and then outside was very different yeah but but uh, nice but nice though is it easier being a teenager now compared to when you were that age? Is it ever easy? Is it uh, it's teenager. Easy. Yeah, I don't think it's. I, th I think we underestimate teenagers all the time, and we patronise teenagers all the time. They go through so much yeah. all the time. It's a lot. It's a lot, and I just feel like we were kind of we kind of just missed the social media mm. extra thing that's just come to add a little bit of spice to the already very complex situation of being a teenager. So I'm kind. I'm glad I. I'm glad I didn't have that. 
yeah, feel like that's that makes a good everything point. a bit more. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, it's I think just it's... a bit more intense. No, yeah, yeah. you're right. Yeah, like, we had Instagram when we were in school, but it wasn't the Instagram that we have now. Yeah. It's not, it wasn't like on the news. No. no, I remember like people started talking about Twitter on the news, like it was a part of society, and I was like, yeah. right, this is a real thing. Yeah, I mean, like politicians are using Twitter yeah. to like yeah. spout whatever it is they're trying to spout, and that's yeah. now like a legitimate form of yeah. whatever it is. Society. Media, media. Yeah. and yeah. It, that's scary because anyone could be on it, and anyone can write anything they want yeah. from exactly. any age. So, what was social media back in your day? I had Bebo, that was it. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't I have a Bebo. phone till I was 18. So, yeah. yeah. Really? Seven, 16. My last year of sixth form, I had a, I had a phone. But I didn't need one before then. I didn't have a computer till I was at uni on my own. So I was really, I was really sheltered and protected from all that, and I'm so glad that I was. Now, nothing's off limits in sex education, which is what made me so excited for series two. Like, where do we go from here if I saw a penis in series one, episode one? Uh, was there anything in the script for season two that made your jaw drop, even having done this before? Hmm. Um, we don't need penises to raise the bar. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, we can raise the bar with all the things. Plenty, in plenty of other ways. Um, I don't know. I'm trying to think. I mean, it's like, it's endless. This is the thing, yeah, Laurie always says that, the, and I love that she says this, that the fact that, that with when it comes to sex and relationships and, like, this kind of show, the, the material is endless. So um, you could technically write an infinite amount of series and episodes about this very endless subject. And yeah, like I said earlier, like, I, like we're all saying, it's kind of like we're just heightening everything a bit more. And what I like is that actually we're also stepping outside of school more. I feel like we're um, exploring the, the intricacies of the relationships outside of school with parents, parents between themselves, parents with their kids, um, you know, teachers, lives that teachers have outside of school, which is the thing we never talk about. I still get shocked when I see my teacher in the shop. I'm like, oh, yeah, of course you, you have a life. That's really human. <laughs> Do you yeah. know what I mean? It's like it's still it's like almost a grown-up, not really. <laughs> I still I still get shocked seeing my history and geography teacher in, in Carful when I go back home for Christmas. I'm like, oh, my God, yeah, you're, yeah. So breaking that down <laughs> is cool. So I just feel like we're, we're, we're opening up the doors of Mordell a bit more now. What conversations did you have with your own parents about sex? Did you have the big chat? I never had a big chat. Um, I, I remember. I'm, I'm bugging out this question. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I remember my mum trying. I do remember my mum trying to start it that conversation um, uh, about masturbating in particular. She was like, I could tell immediately just from like the first few words of the sentence what was coming, <laughs> and, I, and I left the room. I didn't want to have that conversation. I was about fourteen. Um, I was like, yeah, not not a conversation that I wanted to have. I, that she wanted to have either, but she had the balls to start it. <laughs> so, yeah. Nah. My dad spoke to me about, me and my sisters, about um, our periods when we were, like, ten and stuff and, like, sat down and explained that to us. So I always felt like I could talk to my dad about weird and obscure stuff to do with that. But in terms of sex, um, he literally just dropped me off at the, <laughs> at the, like, clinic where you could get condoms and stuff. He was like, oh, um, I'll see you in an hour. I was like... <laughs> hour to get a condom. Yeah, I mean, he was like, so you're going to go and, and talk to them about, you know, um, about the things that you need to talk about. You know, I was like, OK, Dad, yep, yeah, I'll go. Because I'd got a boyfriend by then, so he was, like, ensuring that I was covering all my bases. Uh, <laughs> 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 it's quite a sweet. <laughs> I didn't even know, see, I didn't even know you could that I didn't even think there were clinics that you could go to and yeah there's like uh well I don't know how how it is but there's where I grew up there's um sort of like flat family planning centers so you can go there they, they can talk to you about abortions you can get the pill um they can give you you know if you need an implant or anything like that the coil or they do all those sorts of things now I'd love to know did any of you have any reservations about the series was anybody worried about their parents seeing them pleasure themselves or have sex in a car I mean there was I was surprised by what Laurie had written in season two I sort yeah. of had an idea of where certain storylines would go and they didn't go in that direction which I was quite happy about um, I remember reading the whole opening for episode one um, which is quite shocking um, 
I wasn't totally sure what to make of that. And I like, spoke to Ben and was like, Ben, what, what are you, what's this? How are you going to do this? Uh, and he assured me it was going to be beautiful. So I trusted him for some reason. It was, yeah. Yeah, when I had a banana in my mouth like last year, I was thinking, mm, my mum's church, like, <laughs> I'm going to be watching this. But at the same time, like, it's... Do you know what the question, you know that question we get asked, like, was there any, like, awkward moments? Yeah. I just, I never felt, like, I never felt awkward ever, like, filming no. sex ed. Neither. Do you know what I mean? I never felt, like, um, like embarrassed or anything like that. I felt like we were very well taken care of. Yeah. But there was, like, obviously, it was, like, I did, I, like, I told my parents anyway, I was like, you need to, like, your church, no. That they will be seeing their <laughs> their son doing some things. <laughs> Otis helped me deflate my enlarged erect penis. His advice then cost me my relationship, so him and his clinic can do one. Were you surprised at the effect the show had culturally? Yeah, totally. And I mean, like, I think even I don't know, even just like. Yeah other people that aren't teenagers as well, maybe in their 20s or things like that. I know we've had a lot of people being like, oh, I, I wish I had this when I was at school. So I've learnt loads now um, about myself. And I guess the show has started a conversation culturally, globally, actually. Um, I think it's it's started a conversation. And I know there's a lot of places in the world that, I mean, we're talking, you know, we're, we're talking about people being quite inclusive, so... Um, same-sex relationships, that sort of thing. Um, and there's a lot of places in the world where this show airs and that's still illegal. So mm -hmm. I think Death it's... it's in a lot of places. Yeah. Yeah, just yeah. even have the topic of sex. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and like to kind of bring that to them and bring that content into these people's homes, I think that's definitely really important. That's definitely started a conversation. Mm. If it wasn't for Netflix's platform, the fact yeah. that they are so global, maybe the show the dialogue wouldn't have started quite so fiercely. Do you find that you bump into people and they're just completely over-familiar? Um, I mean, I don't know. It's tricky. I don't know, that's a tricky one. How to, how to ever answer that. It's I mean, it, it depends. Yeah. There, are, there are definitely some people who are much more shy just by nature and... Uh, and you might be able to tell they want to ask you something or they want to say something. You still have to help them a bit and like, that's all right. Um, and that's sweet. And everyone, pretty much everyone who's um, spoke to me about this show or, or, or whatever it is, has only had positive things to say about it, which is like amazing to hear. Um, but no one's sort of, uh, no one's coming up to me asking for sex advice or anything. So uh, that's a really bit of a relief. We are going to have sex. <laughs> Can you calm down? No more clinic, no more drama. Now everything's fine. So what are you hoping people will get out of season two? What's the emotion you want them to feel when they're watching that finale? I'd say empowered for me. Mm. Empowered, yeah, strong. Was that what you were going to say? Oh, strong, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think that we've opened up the dialogue to a lot more of a diverse... Cast, you know, we've got we've got a dark skinned girl, we've got somebody who's in a wheelchair, we've got somebody who's from a different country, like who doesn't English isn't their first language, you know. It's, I think that's important, and I think what the show has begun to do in, in the first series was talk about certain topics, um, and I think we've furthered that in terms of a demographic, and also in terms of delving deeper into the characters that we already know, um, and unifying certain characters, um, and in turn, I think that definitely leads to an empowerment through society. Absolutely. Yeah. How conscious do we need to be then when approaching inclusion and diversity? Because sex ed is really leading the charge in that area, but where is everything else in comparison? I mean, I really don't want to um, name drop anything uh, because I don't think that's right to shame, but I feel like we actually... <laughs> we're being celebrated, the show's being celebrated for its inclusive inclusivity and stuff, which is great, but also it shouldn't be because... Um, this is the world that we live in and it and the shows that we make really need to reflect the world that we're in and the people that we're seeing every day. So actually, I think we need to keep going and work a bit faster to get there.
Was that part of the pitch for the show? Was it mentioned at all? No, not really. No, I don't remember ever ever it ever being a big deal. Like it was just it was just um, a given because it is. So I don't I don't ever I don't ever remember them. Maybe I don't know if I'm wrong, but I don't remember them saying like this is what we're going for. We want to do this. We want this. This is it. Just it happened and it and it existed organically. It kind of read that way. So yeah, exactly. We all sort of knew or had a big myself, but I think. I sort of had a feeling that it's probably been going to be quite inclusive just mm. because of the writing. Did it blow you away when you first saw it on screen? Because it's very colourful and sassy. For me, it, that really made sense. When I first met with Ben and Sean before uh, before we started shooting season one and they were talking me through their sort of vision and what they wanted. And one of the big things for them was creating this world and defining it in its, in its, in its colour palette and its costume and its kind of timelessness. And that's what really helps me visualise it at the time when from just reading a script to then being able to kind of picture it in my head and what really kind of made it stand out to me amongst other sort of British comedies set in a similar kind of about similar topics or about these sorts of people. Um, and I think that's, that's really exciting because cinema and TV is it's, it's an art and, and, and to be able to capture that in a, in a camera and show off that in an interesting and kind of unique way was was cool. Did your new fame just start overnight? What was it like being followed around in the supermarket? <laughs> Got followed in lust that time. Uh, really. I've been followed in down Covent Garden and I didn't realise until the shop assistant told me. I was with my boyfriend just shopping for shoes. And there was an entourage of, of, actually, I found out that there were Spanish students. <laughs> <laughs> so they just didn't they just didn't know how to like approach me I guess or whatever but they were following me from shop to shop and then the assistant came up to me she was like I just want to let you know there's a bunch of kids following you just over there <laughs> just turned around and I was wow. like this is the creepiest thing I've ever experienced but after that I went up to them not not angrily but like sort of like <laughs> hello <laughs> Do you want something? <laughs> and then I forgot that I was in the show, so I wanted a picture. But that's all good. That's all good. Yeah. The heart wants what it wants. Sometimes you just rid the wrong person. Thank you, Dottie. Uh, now, for this intermission, whilst you're there chatting to the people that are on screen of Sex Education, Sex Education 2, I thought I'd delve a little bit behind the scenes and find out exactly how the storylines are chosen, how they pick which parts of sex education they want to talk about and how they do it in a responsible way. And I'm really chuffed to be joined by someone who knows exactly that. My name's Alex Fox. I'm a sex educator, writer and broadcaster and I was a script consultant and the official consultant sex educator for sex education. There's a lot of sex in those sentences. Welcome Alex, welcome to What to Watch on Netflix. Tell me, how do sex educators well, get work? Presumably there's quite a small pool of you. Uh, it's quite a small and sticky pool. Um, well, my job is a bit different to that of most sex educators. I don't really work in schools. Um, I don't uh, write educational policy. Um, I started life as a journalist and then went into broadcast. I do a show for Radio One. I've got a few podcasts. Um, and I specialised in communicating to the public about sexual matters. Uh, because the team behind Sex Education had read my work and, and heard me banging on about banging on the radio, they decided to give me a tinkle when the show was really in a very early fetal stage a couple of years ago. I was invited to be in a room with the writers for a few hours while we battered around ideas for plot lines and, and uh, the characters took shape. And what they wanted from me was really two things. For a start, a lot of young people who have been exposed to my work will come to me with their own worries, their concerns, things that are on their mind. They'll tell me their stories, their, uh, their tales of sexual woe, of uh, sex gone wrong. Um, so you're like so a real-life Otis. Yeah, pretty much. A lot of Jean's and Otis's advice lines actually came from me. So the team originally wanted some inspiration on, well, OK, what are young people really worried about? What are they thinking about? What's getting them excited and what's frightening them? What's keeping them up at night? And which parts of them are up at night going in and out of one another for real? So uh, I was 
I guess, giving them some food for thought uh, about where the plot might go. They also wanted to know from me, well, um, what language are they using? What words are young people saying when they're chatting about sex? Uh, what's going to make this show realistic? Yeah. So where do you get that from then? Because, you know, you're, you're, you're young... But you're not. I'm Ot- not that young. You're not Otis young. <laughs> I'm 37, so yeah, compared so, to so, Otis, yeah, the wheel and yeah. fire were quite. So how new do things. you know what kids are talking about and how they're talking about it at schools and stuff? Then, from a variety of different sources. For a start, for a couple of years, I've done a show with Radio One called Unexpected Fluids, mm-hmm. where people share their real life tales of sexual fails. We have a good laugh together. It's a very warm, affectionate show, and then we use those uh, those tales as a springboard for constructive conversation about sex. So I have a huge bank of young people directly sending me their stories of what's happened to them. So that's one of my avenues of inspiration. Um, Secondly, I work with uh, a charity called Brooke, who are a young people's sexual advisory group. They're they're, they're all about sexual wellness and and well-being. Brooke are the pool, (laughs) literally, of sex educators. So when you first sat down with the sex education team, what was important to you to get across? Are kids nowadays asking exactly the same questions that kids were asking, I don't know, in the in the in the nineties, in the in the early noughties, or you know, even way back yonder. Are the themes eternal or have things changed? Young people's experience of sex in the media and on social media is wildly different now to what it was like a few decades ago. Um, pornography, for example. Um, I don't remember seeing porn when I was a teenager, anywhere but on the top shelf or in a bush. Exactly. What is it with the like obligatory cubic bushes page in bushes? In a bush. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nowadays, you can see pornographic material on your mobile phone, on your laptop. You can't. <laughs> You're joking. <laughs> it is slip, slapped, and slopped all over the place. So some young people have an awareness of fairly extreme acts at a younger age. And that must be terrifying for them. I think it can be really bewildering. Now, it really does depend on what kind of research you look at. I'm going to have to be careful in what I say here because there are some sex educators, uh, my friend Justin Hancock, for example, never has a name, had more nominative determinism in it there. Uh, He's a sex educator who says that actually, in some cases, the fear that all kids are just mainlining porn all day and their eyes are square because they can't tear themselves away from the screen is often more of a moral panic than it needs to be and young people aren't as exposed to pornography as we fear they might be. But then there are certainly other studies that show that uh, young people have seen things like uh, lots of anal sex in uh, male-female partnerships and are feeling more pressured to do that or more like there's an expectation that that's a normal sex act to engage in even in your first incidence of partnered sex as, as a, in, a, in, a, in a straight capacity. Yeah. Um, so porn is definitely influencing, I would say, young people's points of view when it comes to sex. The degree that it's influencing young people is still debated, um, but it's something we should certainly talk about more. You finally get a girlfriend and she's basically your sister. Cast your mind back to when you first saw season one, which bits can people look back at and go, ah, that was Alex? Oh, one line that I'm really proud of is uh, there's a scene where I don't think you actually get to see who says it, but someone in the background shouts about fucking a watermelon, and that came directly from me. That's like the, the, the opposite to dirty dancing. <laughs> <laughs> I fucked a watermelon? What have been the themes that, that have been most pertinent in sex education that that you've been most proud that that they have been tackled? Season two picks up on some themes that were raised in season one and rolls with them in a way that I'm very, very proud of. In season one, Eric is relentlessly bullied by Adam. It's homophobic bullying, it's taunts, it's hurting him and it's relentless. We find out towards the end of season one that 
part of that comes from Adam's own repressed homosexuality and his shame and fear of That's that. That's quite common, isn't it? Yeah, very, unfortunately. Um, lots of LGBTQ uh, viewers will have experienced bullying of lots of kinds, but for, for many of them, being bullied by someone who later turns out to be gay or queer themselves will be something that they sadly would identify with. And towards the end of season one, there was a, a budding romance between Eric and Adam. And I got floods of letters from young people concerned that, um, that Eric was falling for the guy who'd been so cruel to him. And, and they felt really worried about that and quite angry about, about it. The, about the potential abuse. Yeah, or about the, yeah. yeah. Or about the fact that although it's common for somebody to bully somebody that they fancy even without an lgbtq aspect how many times have we been told as young people that boys will pull your hair because they fancy you or that they'll they'll call you names because really they're interested in you and that's not an acceptable way of behaving why do we do why do why do we do that as humans though why is that is it a defense mechanism what is it i think it sometimes stems from embarrassment if we feel awkward because we're attracted to somebody then we try and dissipate that by denying it and especially in teenage years that can come out quite aggressively um however just because it's explicable doesn't mean mean that it's permissible that that behavior should not be normalized and it should not be endorsed season two i can't tell you how but season two deals with that and deals with it in a way that had me cheering at my tv good it's it's resolved in a way that made me feel really proud and i hope that All of my wonderful LGBTQ viewers will also be cheering along with me in rainbow colours. One of the things I really enjoy about Sex Ed and that I know that when my kids are old enough, some of my kids are old enough to watch it, will love as well as the fact that it celebrates sex and and makes fun of it and and highlights all of the hilarious kind of parts of of sex that, that make us laugh anyway. But it's also, it's an undercover educator as well. It kind of, it sneaks in all of the science. Well, that's a big part of what my role is, to make sure that we've snuck in the education in a way that doesn't detract from the entertainment. I often feel like, you know how mums and dads will try and sneak vegetables into their kids' food? You've got to blend the courgettes into the the bolognese, Exactly. You've got to enrich that spag bol whilst keeping it tasty enough that they will lap it up. I think if sex education tried too hard, again, the worst phrase I could possibly choose, to ram lessons down viewers' throats, it would lose all its charm. There's a few shows I've seen lately that have really good intentions, but they come at it so clumsily and, and, and you, it, you really... Well, kids don't you, like to be taught things. No, like, no one wants to be lectured yeah. to. That's not entertaining. Even if you do want the information, you don't want to feel like um, it's being delivered to you well, in a really staunch, clinical way. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I think if it tried to be too self-consciously woke or self-congratulatory, like, oh, and here's the good bit where we do the lesson, it could become really irritatingly worthy. And I think it's a credit to the entire team that they've got that beautiful balance bang on of making it warm and affectionate and laugh out loud funny. But you do genuinely come, come away knowing more than you did before. Um, it's a really genius format, isn't it? Because they have an actual sex therapist in Jean. They've got Otis, her son, who's kind of like the peer-to-peer teacher. And then because all of Otis's friends are from different backgrounds and have different experiences, they all feed their information into the, the plots as well. It's a great way of giving quite a comprehensive view of different sexualities and different sexual experiences, but keeps it light as air. It's a difficult question to answer, but where can it go? What are the things that you would like sex education to cover should season three uh, happen? There is a character with a disability in season two, which I know a lot of people will welcome. And he's so funny as well. He's great. I'd like to, without being too tokenistic about it, uh, it would be interesting to explore uh, his love life and how he approaches it and how people who interact with him approach it. And I'd love to see a positive disabled storyline there. So far, the show does touch on fetish as well, but 
often uh, the plot doesn't go maybe the way that you expect it to. I would love to see a fun yet responsible storyline involving somebody with a kink. Right, okay. And finally, Alex, we don't let anybody off scot-free. Can you please tell what to watch on Netflix, what to watch on Netflix? Apart from sex education, of course. Me and my old flatmate have a pact, even though I live on my own now, that we are not allowed to watch the next season of Dark without one another. <laughs> uh, I'm absolutely addicted to that show. It's, it's just Mind-boggling, so... Mind-boggling, isn't it's it? It's beautiful as yeah. well. Aesthetically, it's now, just gorgeous. A question for you, Alex. Yeah. Did you watch it with English subtitles or the English dubbing? I watched it with English subtitles, yeah. although my old flatmate is dyslexic, so right. at times he uh, struggled to follow that fast enough. To be honest, but, even non-dyslexics might find Dark a struggle to cope with at times. It's bewildering. You have to do some serious mental origami, don't yeah, you? Yeah, like yeah. folding all the various parts of the plot line together. Tell the listeners a little bit about just like a very short synopsis of, of what Dark is about, like if they've not seen season one, for instance. It's a German show that is, I guess, a fantasy story that t- takes twists and turns that it's you fancy, never... It's fantasy, but it feels like it's very much in the real world. It's, 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 it feels quite dour and grim. It's kind of like a, I guess, like a, a mix, almost like a broad churchy kind of for Bridleson kind of thing, isn't it? It definitely has a dystopian vibe to it, but it explores the concept of time travel in a way that I... Which, which is a really common theme in yeah. sci-fi stuff, but in a way that I haven't witnessed before. Yeah. Um, visually, it's really beautiful. It has... Whoever f- was involved in filming that has wonderful skills when it turns in terms of creating and maintaining a really tense atmosphere. Wo hat alles angefangen? In der Kleinstadt Winden ist ein Junge auf mysteriöse Weise verschwunden. I have synesthesia, which means that um, when I get one form of sensory input, like hearing something or seeing something, I'll sometimes experience a phantom second sensation, like a taste. Wait, what? Or, or, yeah. Is this like where you can you can when you hear a sound, you see a colour. Yeah, thing. some people can uh, taste people's names, things like that. What, hang on a sec, what does my name taste of? Oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> you, you, you don't have a taste yet. Oh. Yeah. I, I, I mostly experience olfactory synesthesia, so I smell things um, when I experience certain emotions. And it's usually in relation to people I have a deep connection with. Wow. Um, or, or sometimes folks I've just met. But it's rarely through the TV. There seems to be something about that added distance mm. uh, that means it doesn't trigger that, that part of my brain. Dark was one of the rare shows where I suddenly realised that I was able to smell my television. What did Dark smell of? Uh, sometimes it was, there was a really logical link. So a lot of it is set in forests yeah. and I could Moss smell and... the mulch and the yeah, pine. Yeah, yeah. yeah, but uh, to, wow. to the degree where if I inhaled more deeply, the smell was stronger. Um, but other, other times, um, the, the links were more obscure. Um, one of the characters quite famously wears a yellow raincoat. Yeah. And uh, his yellow raincoat to me smells like, Bubble bath. Wow. Posh bubble bath or matey? More, more matey, like yeah. quite fruity, matey smell. Like I don't know whether that's because somewhere in my brain there's been a connection between yellow rubber, rubber duck, bath time, or whether I've tried to retrofit that. But all I know <laughs> is that um, Jonas smells like the tub. <laughs> Actually, the cinematographer for every episode of Dark is a guy called Nikolaus Samara. Samara? Samara. <laughs> well, in Summerary, yeah. <laughs> Dark is beautiful yeah. and he's done a wonderful job. Even just the title sequence at the beginning has this kind of um, kaleidoscopic effect yeah, to it. Great. It's utterly riveting. It's really beautiful. Um, the soundscapes as well are just luscious. It's really, you get completely sucked in. Yeah. It's a very immersive show, or it was for me. And every time I think I know what's going to happen next something unexpected Absolutely. does. I'm really glad you chose that one. It's one of my favourites too. And if people haven't kind of gone back and discovered it, get back there, get back to season one straight away and you will lose 
you will lose an entire weekend on that show. It's incredible. Alex, thank you very much for joining us. Well, I'll go and wash my hands now and I suggest that you do the same. Absolutely. Dottie, back to you. We're just going to go have a wash. Thanks for that, Jamie. Now, I'm still here with the cast of Sex Education. And as you know, this podcast is called What to Watch on Netflix. So it's time for your recommendations, guys. What to Watch on Netflix? I have watched Marriage Story and I love it. Has anyone else seen Marriage Story? I've seen it. I've not seen it. Mm-mm. Not seen it? I've not seen it. Right. What's well, that? you can watch that tonight. Marriage Story, <laughs> it's a story about marriage. Oh, okay. Oh, <laughs> that makes sense. All the comes clear. It's amazing. It's kind of like the, the modern day Kramer versus Kramer, and I was a huge fan of that film mm. growing up. Really had an influence on me. Um, so, yeah, I would recommend that to anyone. I think it's great. Um, maybe don't watch it if you're a week away from getting married. <laughs> but. <laughs> yeah. Okay. It's not as simple as not being in love anymore. Eventually, it'll be the two of you having to figure this out together. Um, at the moment, I'm watching, I'm watching Big Mouth. Uh, kind of very similar vein to Sex Ed. It's a recurring theme. But yeah, it's just kind of, I don't really, I've never watched cartoons. I'm not a cartoon fan, but. I just think it's it's a really clever show and it's really out there and and it kind of deals with a lot of similar things to what we deal with but in a in an American way and in a cartoon way and it's sort of even more provocative and even more colorful and mad and um but it's ultimately really clever and it's actually really touching so that if not it will be chef's table I re- rewatched that I love I chef's love, table I watched that obsessively I love it yeah. why don't we serve something very provocative Mine's would probably be the crown, which I'm like embarrassed to say for some reason, because um, I'm in my twenties. But they, yeah, I just think like, like it's shot really beautifully, it's directed really well, the acting is sick, and there's some good storylines. Those are some interesting, unnecessary people. Um, so that's, I don't know. I've just enjoyed. I've just enjoyed that one. We're ready for you, Your Majesty. Um, I have been watching, or at least I watched it all in a day. Uh, it was The Witcher. Toss a coin to your Witcher. <laughs> Has anyone else seen it? Is it just <laughs> no. No. no? I haven't seen it. Oh, no, 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 no. It, it was, oh my god! It, that was been that has been in my head probably since I watched it. I actually, the next day I put it on Spotify. I found it. I was like, this is a banger. <laughs> I've heard tales of your kind, Witcher. You're a mutant created by magic. I was watching that. I'm a big fan of the game um, and the world. I'm a big fan of fantasy and adventure and that whole kind of world. Uh, and I was I was actually kind of ready to not like it because. I already had an attachment to the world and the character of Geralt, who is the lean, who Henry Cavill plays. So I was like, All right, let's see, let's see what they can do. And credit to them, he, Henry in particular. I mean, I think the performances are all, in it are all very good, um, and it's a lot of fun. <laughs> it's really good fun. Uh, so I recommend it. Yeah, I, I really like documentaries on Netflix, um, and uh, there was one that I I really want everyone to watch. It's called 13th, and it's still on there. I I did double check. (laughs) It's a really lovely one. That's a really nice, serious documentary to watch. It's it's quite relevant, I think, if you want to understand um, what's going on politically today as well a little bit more. It's actually, it's it's quite an eye-opener. The 13th Amendment to the Constitution makes it unconstitutional for someone to be held as a slave. I love things like BoJack Horseman, Big Mouth, all that sort of thing. South Park, like, I, I just love animation, so I'm always watching things like that, like, re-watching, re-watching that. Annihilation is a movie that's on Netflix, which I love. It's a female sci-fi movie, and if... Yeah, you guys should watch it. It's it's really weird and wonderful, and it's got Natalie Portman in it. Um, it's great. Mm-hmm. Um... There's tons. I'd say, <clears throat> going off the back of the documentary route that Trish said, there's a there's a documentary called Inside Bill's Brain, which is um, like a three-part documentary about Bill Gates and some of the stuff that he's done, which is really insightful and really inspiring <clears throat> when it comes to like work ethics and just what he's done and doing and trying to do. 
Um, there is another show called Abstract, which is really good. Um, there's a series of animation short films um, called Bad Robot, which is really good as well. And there's also Mid Nineties that just came on Netflix, which is yeah, bad yes. I love it's that. So yes, so that was good. really good. So good. Like, I loved it. So those good. those kids were so yeah, good. fully, fully amazing. What's, what um, is this? Jonah Hill's film. Ah, oh, wow, that's so like cool. Skater community. Yeah. Oh, that sounds fun. Yeah. 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 It's really cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. So yeah. So what are you guys up to now? What's happening with the sex education juggernaut? Juggernaut. <laughs> Sassy. Sassy. Yeah. What is happening? What is happening? We're here, man. We're here. We're here. It's it's been a... This week has been busy. It's all kind of like ramping up, getting ready for the release. Next Um, week? So we had the premiere two days ago, Uh which was a lot of fun. So it was nice to bring everyone back together. Um, And then, yeah, just kind of like amping up. Um, It's an exciting time. It's an exciting time of year. Do you still get nervous about launches, even though Sex Ed is such a big success? Definitely nervous. Definitely nervous, Mm. I think is... 110. Definitely a huge emotion. Yeah, that's definitely. <laughs> this Mostly time. excited. Mostly excited, I would say. I, I really want to see it. I want to see the thing. Yeah. I really want to see our little bubble come to life again. Mm. So I'm so excited. And, yeah. and because so much happens in it when you're filming, I think there's like, you, you might read stuff in the script, and you're like, oh, can't wait for yeah. that, and you'll just put a note on it, and then... When you watch mm-hmm. it, you're like, I forgot about that, you know? So yeah, I'm looking about. forward to seeing everyone else's, like, yeah, yeah. journey, yeah. you know? And, um, oh, gosh, I'm, I'm just, I'm excited. Yeah. yeah. I think you should tell him how you feel. What have you got to lose? Otis? Baby, don't hurt me. What? Don't hurt me no more. What? Now that we're on season two, you got to let me know, was there anything from season one that didn't make it onto screen? There must have been. I can't remember off the top of my head. Maeve's job, like, in season one? Oh, she yeah. Work in, oh, she, like, Maeve's job memory. in the burger van. Yeah, there was a scene where I get fired from my... I was working for, a, like, a bur- like, a burger thing, burger restaurant, and there's a scene where I get fired and I'm in, like, a ridiculous <laughs> burger costume and I get fired. Well, I remembered. I'd forgotten about that. But that was quite, I thought that was quite a key thing. It was quite, yeah, because like... So, you know, whatever. <laughs> That's why you didn't want Jackson to, like, know where you yeah, lived. Exactly. And then, so yeah, exactly. Yeah, it looks like, like he just thing. get out oh, of a yeah. car in yeah. the middle of a field yeah. randomly. <laughs> <laughs> just that <laughs> Maeve walks into the forest <laughs> by herself. Now, it's all very well us mentioning a couple of the big things that are already on or are soon to be coming to Netflix. But what about the things that are fresh out of the oven? There are so many new things dropping every week, we thought you'd appreciate a heads up. So what I'm going to do is get on the hotline that takes me straight to Gina, our Netflix guru. What she doesn't know is not worth knowing. Hello again, Gina. Dottie, how are you? I'm very well, Gina. How are things in your world? Doing really great. We've got some excellent stuff. This is jam-packed. I can't wait to tell you what we've got dropping today. Good, because I need another roundup, if you will. What's coming up today? Of course, so very excited, although quite sad to say that the season finale of The Good Place is out today. This one is a double bill. So if you've been watching The Good Place, you're trying to figure out when it's going to end, how it's going to end. You know, you've seen the sort of will they, won't they between Eleanor and Cheney. Today's the day you find out how it all finishes. And for anybody who's been living under a rock and hasn't watched any of The Good Place, how do you sum it up for them right now? Okay, sum it up quickly. It is about some people uh, uh, starring, I can't remember her name, but some people who <laughs> die. <laughs> <laughs> ah, that's it. It's starring Kristen Bell. <laughs> a woman, she's blonde. Um, they die. Uh, they're in the good place, okay? It's supposed to look like a heaven. Um, they realise that it's not what, they, what it seems. I don't want to do a spoiler for anyone who hasn't seen any of it. They realise it's not what it seems and mischief ensues from there. That's pretty much all I can say um, without giving it away too much. But honestly, it's so great. It's a comedy. Really funny. Great pun. Sold. What else have you got? OK, so another one of my passionate, passionate favourites, Bojack Horseman. Bojack Horseman, that is that show. Season 6, Part B, also drops today. Uh, and again, if you don't know what it's about, it's it's about, it's all animated, um, got both animals and humans in it. Already sounds weird, I know, but stay with me. Um, about a horse who was famous, but is sort of washed up famous, but also suffers with depression, but also is trying to 
walk through this world trying to be a better person, but also has friends that try to help them do that, but they're also kind of damaged too. And it's really about like the human existential crisis that we suffer, but also is a comedy. It's great. And also sounds like a bad LSD trip. <laughs> they have some episodes that at their literally like him on on an acid trip and you're just like, yeah, it's very much uh, indicates what the show is like. I've made a lot of mistakes. But I look back at that other Bojack and I think, who is that? So once you're on your come down, what do you watch next? Okay, so if you're not able to see it, haven't been able to see it or haven't seen the chat about it, Uncut Gems is also on the service today. Uh, that's a movie by the Safdie brothers starring Adam Sandler. Don't want to give too much away, but it's basically about this jeweller who is sort of dodgy-ish, pretty much it. Um, don't want to give that away too much, but great film. I've heard great things about it. Definitely look out for that. Um, but other than that, this didn't drop today, but it dropped yesterday. It's The Stranger. It's basically about um, a guy who was approached by a stranger, um, gave him some news, and it changes the course of his life from that point onwards. So fans of Harlan Coben, who wrote Safe, which was big last year, will also love this because he wrote this one too. And it stars Jennifer Saunders. Loads to get involved in this weekend. Why go out? What, just stay at home. Just, just stay, just stay indoors. Honestly, why, why? I don't. That's why I've seen all these shows. Don't go out. Stay in. <laughs> stay in this weekend with Netflix. Loads to get involved in. Thank you so much, Gina. Until next week. Until next week. Lovely to chat with you, Doppy. Bye. Bye. That's another episode done and dusted. But before we go for an ice bath and a lie down, I thought I'd let you know that next week is all about fashion, baby. Queer Eyes Tan France has teamed up with presenter, model and all-round icon Alexa Chung for their new show, Next in Fashion. So we're sitting them down with designer Henry Holland for a chinwag. What to Watch on Netflix is hosted by me, Dottie, and is written and produced by Jamie East. Editing and additional production comes from Cup and Nuzzle. What are you watching on Netflix? We'd love to know. Get in touch with us on Twitter at Netflix UK. Netflix UK.